Today, our topics are going to include how to get into the local churches with abortion recovery, how to get started with men in abortion recovery. We have Jill Marquis talking about the Forgiven and Set Free study and the new Reclaiming Fatherhood abortion recovery study that's out. And then we also talk a little bit about, you know, being an abortion recovery leader in a pregnancy center and how you feel like a a stepchild in that um, organization and how to overcome that. So here we go. Welcome to the Abortion Recovery Network podcast. We are group leaders helping group leaders with abortion recovery ministry through informal and casual conversations. Your hosts are Linda Keener Thomas, founder and board chair of the National Memorial for the Unborn, and Mindy Lefeshore, founder of An Even Place Virtual Abortion Recovery Ministry. As I began An Even Place in January 2022, I wanted to talk with other abortion recovery ministry leaders to share the vision I had and learn whatever I could about abortion recovery ministry. As I talked to some amazing women who I now call friends, I was surprised to learn they were as eager as I was to hear from other leaders. An idea was birthed to start a podcast of leaders, by leaders, for leaders, from all over to share experiences, ideas, challenges, joys, and learn from one another while doing your laundry, cooking your dinner, or driving in your car. Linda and I met the fall of 2022. I shared this idea with her and she jumped on board. Our desire is to allow you to enter our conversations with other abortion recovery leaders, learn the nuts and bolts of how they lead their groups, and connect with one another to build a strong network of leaders helping leaders reach the millions suffering with an abortion experience. Hello, everybody. This is Linda and Mindy with the Abortion Recovery Network, and we have Jill Marquis with us today from CareNet. I'm going to let Jill introduce her te- herself and tell us a little bit more about what she does. And um, and Jill, if you would, when you're done with that, just go ahead and tell us how you got here, just kind of your journey into this position. Okay. Well, first of all, thank you for having me. I really appreciate the opportunity to share what um, CareNet is doing it is, um, it is a privilege to be here, so thank you. My name is Jill Marquis, and I am the Director of Abortion Recovery and Care for CareNet. I've been on staff for almost two years. Um, end of June will be two years for me. Um, I come to this work having worked for about eight years in my local pregnancy center here in Charlotte, North Carolina, where I live. And um, before I talk about my work in CareNet, let me just tell you how I got into this work. Um, as somebody who has an abortion in their past, I had gotten to a point in my life where I knew that I needed healing and I was involved in my local church. And um, in a way that only God can work, I became the volunteer director of women's ministries at my home church. And I went to the pastor of the church and said, you know, um, I think we should have an abortion healing study as part of our offerings. And oh, by the way, this is part of my, my story. And I honestly thought that the pastor was going to just be like, mm, thanks. Um, we don't need you in leadership. You know, I just really felt like he was going to show me the door because of, of um, just how frightened I was of even confessing that to him. And he was so gracious to me. And he said, Jill, not only do we need abortion recovery in this church, but you're the perfect person to head it. So let's find a study um, and let's do this. And so 
that pretty much opened the door for me in recovering from my own abortion and then helping other women. Um, in that, um, at the end of the study that I had done, we were asked, how are you gonna use your story? Um, and we were challenged, you know, go get involved at your local pregnancy center. Well, I didn't wanna do that. You know, I was already, you know, I'm telling God, I, look, I'm already doing the women's ministry, so I'm good. I don't need to do anything else with this. And um, God opened the door for me to go to my local pregnancy center, not because I wanted to, but because I needed to help somebody else. And I knew that that was God in his wonderful way of, of pushing me through the door um, of my local pregnancy center. So I went in to volunteer and I will tell you, I was kind of, um, in a two-year-old mindset, like I am only here because I am trying to be obedient. It is not because I want to do this. I mean, I think I actually said that to the executive director and she laughed about it. Um, and by the time we finished with our conversation, my heart was in such a place of what do you need me to do? How might I serve? So all that to say, I started as a volunteer at my local pregnancy center. Um, a staff position quickly became open and I knew that God was telling me this is my next step. And so I have pretty much done everything in a pregnancy center outside of being the executive director and um, the medical piece. But there were days when I really thought I could do an ultrasound. Um, I worked as a client care receptionist whose job it was to field the phone call that came from the abortion determined woman. I um, became a client advocate. So I was um, counseling and um, then I became part of our first mobile unit team when we got a mobile unit um, and we were working outside of Charlotte's busiest abortion clinic. Um, then I worked as our mobile unit coordinator. So I was in charge of the mobile unit. Um, and I'll just tell you as an aside, I was on a first name basis with the police officers um, outside of Charlotte's busiest abortion clinic because it was a crazy time. And then I moved over into the development side. I worked um, exclusively with our church partners and um, my last position was in major donors. So um, I have this vast experience um, within the pregnancy center, but um, what, was, what was really unique um, about me is that I've served our target market and I've been our target market. So I got to bring all of this experience to the table. So all of that got me to CareNet um, a year and a half, almost two years ago. Um, I was really being moved out of my local pregnancy center for a variety of reasons. And um, a dear friend of mine went to work for CareNet and she reached out to me and she said, hey, Jill, there's a position that's um, coming open at CareNet and I'd like for you to consider it. And she sent me the resume or the, she sent me the job description and um, I gave it to my husband and I said, gosh, what do you think? And he looked at me and he said, did they write this just for you? And I was like, no, no, this is, this has been in the works for quite some time. Um, and they actually had a candidate that they were seriously considering. And so when I interviewed for the job, um, in talking with the president of CareNet, I said, you know, in all of this, if I am not the right candidate for this position, I'm so okay with that. I want you guys to have, I want CareNet to have the right person in the right seat because I know what it's like to, to be in an organization where 
you don't have the right people in the right seats and that's really hard. And so if I'm not the person, it's okay. Uh, it turned out that I was the person. And so that's how I got to CareNet. And um, it's really been an amazing, an amazing ride um, just in the almost two years that I've been there. Yeah. So, and that is when we met and that yes. was really kind of a God thing too. So talk, talk about, cause that was your, that was your first forgiveness and set free group, but that was also your first virtual group. So tell us, just let everybody know, cause not everybody knows what it's like to be in a virtual group. There's a lot of apprehension about doing virtual groups. And so just give us your take on being a participant in a virtual group. Okay. So my first task when, um, when I came on with CareNet was to take CareNet's abortion recovery Bible study for women, which is forgiven and set free and revise and update it. Um, we wanted to really um, bring this to a wider audience if possible, however God was going to use that. So in order for me to do that, I, I knew that I needed to go through the study as a participant before I ever thought about changing one word of it. So that was how I got connected with Mindy. And um, I will be honest, I wasn't really sure how a virtual group was going to work. Um, because I kept thinking this cannot be the same as doing it face-to-face. And it wasn't the same as being in a face-to-face group. However, there was absolutely deep connections between the women that were involved in the study. And even though we couldn't physically reach out and, and hold somebody else's hand while they were crying, we knew that the other people were there for us. And you saw that in people's faces um, on the camera. And um, it, was, it was really an amazing, amazing experience. Um, I think the most, the most significant part for me was when we did the memorial service because I didn't really know how that was gonna go. You know, I've, I've led healing groups before and, and done memorial, different types of memorial services. And so I was like, well, this is going to be a whole new experience here. And it was so beautifully done because it was very individual to, um, to us as participants because we had our own space where we had set up the memorial for our, our children. And so while everybody's space looked a little similar, they were all very different with different personalities. And you got to see and experience that. It was very, very precious. I want to say um, that was the first virtual memorial I had ever led. And it was difficult because I, as leaders and as women, that is the time that we get to really prepare for the women coming and we get to invest in them, right? And it, we get to create the mood. We get to create this wonderfully safe, beautiful place where they can honor their children. And when Victoria and I were on the phone talking about this for like, I was like, I told her, I said, I'm kind of frustrated. Like, I don't know what to do. And I, <laughs> she's like, you just need to get over it. I'm like, but what are we going to do? And then it just like a light bulb moment came on and we were like, okay, we're going to have them each bring the items that they need to bring the minimum required items to the, to the memorial, and then give them the, the time and the space to 
do whatever they want to do in the memorial background where we can see them because the memorial is set up behind the, behind them. So it's on camera. And um, Jill, I know, I remember you told me a little bit about that when, when it was over and just sort of what that meant to you to be able to put that into your memorial. This is, I'd like you to just share that if you would, what that meant for you as, as a participant. That whole that whole experience is so precious to me because even though I have been doing abortion recovery for over a decade, um, this was the, honestly, this was the first time in my home. I really had something set up that showed my daughter, her name is Catherine. I can't wait to meet her in heaven. And so, um, in, in my office, you know, I still have it sort of the area where I had set up the memorial and Catherine's certificate of life is there and there are flowers and there are candles that stay there. So she is, you know, she was always with me, but now she's truly part of the family and anyone who come and comes to stay in my home, you know, my office is in our guest room. So they see that and that had never been a part of my life before. And it just took me to a, a, greater depths of healing. Again, even though I had been leading groups for years, going through forgiven and set free just took me to an even, even closer walk with the Lord. Yeah. So this is Linda and um, it's great to meet you, by the way, this is the first time we've had a chance to chat. One of the things that stood out to me about your story was the part where you went to your pastor and said, we need to do this. And, um, Talk to us leaders out here about how to get into our local churches. This is one of my passions is, um, yes, there's a broader audience out there outside of the church, but the church needs us so desperately. And um, do you have a vision on how as leaders we can reach out to the church communities that we are with and, and get in that door? I do. And that is such a great question. And I appreciate you asking it, Linda, because um, for CareNet, we very much know that the church is, is so vital in this. We can do nothing without the local church. And so the way that we really are looking at um, people who are post-abortive, I mean, when you think about the number of people sitting in the church that have this in their background, um, it's going to be anywhere from 25 to 40% of the women in the church have a, an abortion in their background, depending on their age. And when CareNet did a study of men, um, five in 10 men were going to church at least once a month when their partner had her first abortion. So all of that to say, in reaching out to the church, the way that we like to talk about it is um, one, to bring those statistics to the table to say, we're all, we're all over the place. We're sitting next to you in church. We're standing behind you at the Target. You know, we're getting our coffee with you at the Starbucks. Um, we need to be talking about this. And when you think about it, we are, um, we're an unreached people group. When you think about missionaries and, and going to, to spread the gospel, people who have an abortion in their past 
particularly those of us who attend church regularly, we're unreached. If, if there's not abortion recovery available through the church, then for so many of us, we sit on the sidelines. So that's the way I like to approach it with pastors is to say, the numbers are vast within your church. What are you doing to reach them? How are you, how are you caring for them and loving them well in this? Um, and I always want to go to a pastor with my hands full. I'm not coming with my hands empty, asking for something I want to put into their hands. Um, here's, here's a healing Bible study that if you do not have something in your um, counseling um, ministry, in your community care, would you please consider this? It's biblically based. And then, you know, I walk them through Forgiven and Set Free and our new men's resource, Reclaiming Fatherhood. But, but going in and talking to them, again, about the statistics, um, the fact that we're um, an unreached people group within our church, um, if our job as Christ followers is to help create um, fully devoted followers of Christ, how are we doing that? Um, you know, Jesus came to heal the sick. He, he didn't come for those who were well. He came for those of us that were sick. Um, and so, you know, I like to explain those things to pastors. Um, I also like to explain to pastors, you know, I've heard, I've spoken with pastors over the years who have said, oh, this is just such a political hot button issue. And my response to that is, no, sir, this is a moral issue and we need to take it out of the political realm and bring it back to where it needs to be, which this is a moral issue. And we need to speak about it like that. And when you do speak about this with your congregation, would you please begin with how you're going to care for the people who have this in their past first? Because before you can, can speak, you know, the hard truth about what abortion really is, I need to know that you are going to care for me because I'm so broken by the choice that I make. Mm -hmm. I think that's great. That is exactly right. And I think it frees the pastor to be more open about speaking about it when they realize that keeping it in the closet is not healing and it's not loving. It's helping her get it out of the closet and deal with it is, is the loving thing. So that, I appreciate uh, your vision on that. That's great. Well, the other side of that is, is, you know, with the overturning of Roe versus Wade, this is, this is front and center for so many people now. I mean, this is staying on the front burner and um, we need to be addressing it because if, if people of faith are not speaking about this, then the secular community gets to continue to craft the narrative. And instead of being reactionary, we need to be ahead of that. Mm -hmm. And um, we've um, not been good. You know, the church has not been good at being ahead of this issue. Right. I agree with that. I just want to kind of move on just a little bit into uh, what you're doing with Forgiven and Set Free and now the men's study. And so I'm going to let you kind of put these together, but you know, what is your vision for the Forgiven and Set Free? Where are you guys going to take this? What's your next steps? And then for the men's study, same thing. What's your next steps? Um, again, more great questions. So Coming into CareNet, I was, you know, given the mandate of update Forgiven and Set Free. And one of the things that I learned very quickly about Forgiven and Set Free and, and the women who have led this study over 20 some odd years, um, y'all are real protective 
of that study. <laughs> That's true. It's true. <laughs> and that was, that was one of the sweetest things that I saw was, um, I cannot tell you how many women said to me, what are you changing? You know, and, and, and the way that they would kind of give me that side eye, like, what are you doing? Um, so when I first came to CareNet and um, started this project, I met with Linda Cochran, the author, you know, she's part of CareNet staff. She's one of our center services specialists. So um, I met with Linda and I said, wow, how involved would you like to be in this process? Because this is your baby. Um, you know, do you want, do you want to like collaborate on this? You know, what, what do you think? And she looked at me and she said, Jill, my baby's all grown up and it's yours now. And you do with it what the Lord tells you to do with it. And so that was, um, Love her. Yeah, she, yeah, she's amazing. <clears throat> that was very freeing for me um, because I wanted desperately, and I prayed a lot about this, like, Lord, I want to honor what Linda has done and what you birthed through her in this. Um, and so I was very aware of, of that. And um, what I want people to know about Forgiven and Set Free Now is that you are going to hear God's word spoken in Linda's voice with some whispers from me. Um, if I heard any criticism about Forgiven and Set Free, when I started with CareNet, it was um, forgiven and set free is really scripture heavy. And as Christ followers, we know there's no such thing as something being scripture heavy. Um, it's scripture rich. Uh, but that being said, if you are not a Christian or if you're nominally Christian and you picked up this book, um, it could be very intimidating because it is a lot of scripture, which is fantastic. So with that in mind, it, trying to view the work through the lens of somebody who doesn't know Christ or who only knows Christ on the periphery, um, how do we make it more accessible to those women? And in doing that, I wanted to take the material and kind of break it down into more easily digestible chunks of information. So um, what, what ended up the format ended up being um, each each chapter is broken down into the biblical perspective. So what does God have to say about this? And then inward exploration. So how do I view my own experiences through the lens of God's word? And then practical application. What's it look like to walk this out? And I also added some more context at the beginning of the chapters because um, I'm a big proponent of uh, why, why are you doing it that way? Um, help me understand um, is a question that I ask all the time. And so I was trying to think about it like that. You know, people would want to know, well, why do we need to know this? And why is this important? Um, so that I felt like that context was important to it. And um, it, it seems to be well-received. I mean, I haven't, I haven't had anybody come back to me yet to say, wow, I just really hate the way this this is now. Um, I tried very hard to be faithful to Linda's work. And there were a lot of prayers in there, especially if there was a place where I was going to take some scripture out because I felt like, okay, well, we've already dealt with that over here and we don't really need it in this section, but it felt a little, maybe a little bit uneasy because I felt like, oh Lord, is it okay for me to take this piece of scripture out? Um, 
So, so that's, um, that's where forgiven and set free is now. In addition to the, the reworking the book, um, I also had the incredible opportunity to put together a facilitator's guide and um, Mindy was instrumental in working with me and another gal, Victoria Robinson. Um, the three of us got together and really went through what does this facilitator's guide need to include? What does it not need to have in it? Um, what, is, what is the best way to do this? So um, we spent four really intensive days going through lots of object lessons and really hashing out how should this look? Because what we wanted the facilitator's guide to be is, um, is a how-to manual. If you've not done abortion recovery before, you know, my thought was, I want you to be able to pick up the facilitator's guide and forgiven and set free and read through that and then be ready to run with it. Um, so that's, you know, where we've taken forgiven and set free. And it's, it's really got some, um, some legs under it now. And um, it is, um, it's moving very well through, through our warehouse, which is, which is great. That means it's getting into the hands of people who need it. Um, in addition to that, um, we just launched our men's abortion recovery resource. Um, the Bible study is titled Reclaiming Fatherhood. And CareNet owns, owns the rights to a book called Fatherhood Aborted that was written by Guy Condon and David Hazard. And if you know any of CareNet's um, history, Guy Condon's name is familiar to you. He is a past president of CareNet. Um, Guy and David wrote this book about 20 years ago, and right before the book was being published, um, Guy was killed in a car accident. Incredibly tragic. Um, but this work that, that they had put together was one of the first really, um, I feel like one of the first really good looks at how men who've had abortions deal with them and where they are broken. So I took that book and I was like, okay, Lord, what are we going to do with this? How do you want this to look? And there was a time there where I thought, oh my gosh, we're just going to have to scrap all of this and we're going to have to start over. And um, it was very, very important to me that men speak to men about the abortion experience, because even though I've had, you know, I've had an abortion experience and a gentleman's had an abortion experience, how we process it, how we feel about it. Mm -hmm. um, those things are very different. So it was really important to me that, that we had guys as part of this. Um, so I was able to put together a focus group of men um, that were post-abortive. So I worked with four guys that were post-abortive and two of the guys from our um, staff and um, we spent about three really intensive months going through page after page of that book. Um, and I listened to them about what, um, what they were like, just cut this out, cut this out, this, you know, we don't need this. Um, but here's the part to keep. And so what I tried to do as we were revising that work was to go through it and say, okay, what was the main point? Guy was telling this story um, what was the main point of that? So I would pull those main ideas out. And then um, the one of the other big things that the gentleman said to me was that you have to ask us the hard questions 
in the middle of the text. Don't wait until the end of the chapter, because that was how Guy had originally set it up, where there were some three or four overarching questions about the chapter. And so we really went into each chapter and added a lot more scripture where the guys have to get into the Bible and ask those really hard questions, because that's what the men said they needed. That is so exciting because this has been a need for years for those of us that have been in the ministry for a long time is how to reach the men. Um, I can't wait to to see that. Do you have any practical steps? Um, of course, we're speaking to leaders that are not just using forgiven and set free, but um, we've got uh, retreat people on here from different ministries and, and different ones. Um, but I think all of us struggle with how to get the men to come forward. Any um, input or ideas on that is as leaders out here, how do we get this started? What I heard from these, these guys that I got to work with um, over and over, they felt so incredibly isolated and alone. So Revelation 12, 11 says, by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony, evil is overcome. And we as women with abortions in our past know that as soon as somebody is vulnerable and transparent with us, about our experience, it makes it much easier. The same holds true for the men. And it's, I really feel like it's even more important for the men. Um, even if you don't have a guy um, in, in your pregnancy center or in your ministry that is post-abortive, if you've got a man who has a heart for other guys, he can lead this study. I mean, what, what we need to begin with is we need guys who are willing to raise their hand and say, I will walk with another man through this because we all deal with, with our own, with our own demons. And anytime you're in the word of God, you know, you're going to be able to find those places where you can share the hard places in your life. But the, the guys said over and over how isolated that they felt. And that's one of the things that, um, Reclaiming Fatherhood talks a lot about in um, one of the later chapters in the book is about being connected to a spiritual mentor and the absolute need for community for men. Hmm. Huge. That's really good. So tell us what's next for um, the men's study. I, tell me the name of that study again. Reclaiming Fatherhood. Reclaiming Fatherhood. Are you putting together a leader's guide for that? And then what's coming after the leader's guide? I, okay. I know we talked about something when we were, when Victoria and I came with you and we were putting that leader's guide together for forgiven and set free, you had shared this great big vision. And are you ready to share that with everybody? Um, yes, because if I share it, then I'm, you know, Accountable then, I to have it. To, then it has to come to fruition. <laughs> Actually, it's all in the Lord's hands and it's all in his timing, but um, the answer to your question about a men's leader guide. Yes. I'm working on that um, right now. I'm about halfway through the writing process with that. And the guys that um, worked on the book all came back and said, we want to help with the leader guide. We, we have so much ownership of this. And um, these guys are truly going to um, be the standard bearers for the study and, um, and helping to get it out. They've all said that. So yes, we're writing a leader guide. Um, again, it's very different when you're working with men. And, and the object lessons that work for women um, may not be the best for the guys. And so getting that from them um, has, has been really, it's been really fun. It's also been difficult because I'm not a guy and, you know, I think differently. So, um, so like I said, we're about halfway through that and that will, God willing, 
and don't anybody hold me to this, um, but we should have that um, by our um, national conference at the end of August, the CareNet National Conference. We should have the men's leader guide ready um, for that event. Um, in addition to that, we are oh so very close to launching our abortion recovery and care website. So this is part of the bigger vision that CareNet has. Um, the abortion recovery and care website is gonna be a website that is for people who are seeking healing to get them connected to leaders that have recovery studies. So um, there are other ministries that are doing the same type of thing. I know Support After Abortion is doing it. Um, I know that, um, you know, I, mm -hmm. and plan. Uh, Save One, I know. So I, I think about all of these other abortion recovery ministries that have this. Um, and, and we are, one of the things I think that might differentiate us from some of the other ministries is that in building out the recovery leader network, the study provider network, um, we want all the different studies. Um, you know, this is not just going to be for CareNet, you know, Forgiven and Set Free and Reclaiming Fatherhood. It is going to be for whatever biblically-based study you're using. So um, whenever I get the opportunity to meet leaders from different studies, you know, I am saying to them, please, send us your information as, you know, join the network so that, um, so that we can help people get connected. I very, very much believe that God is going to connect that woman or that man who is suffering, you know, at their home with the right study. And it doesn't have to be forgiven and set free. It can, it's whatever God puts them with. Oh, I love that vision because that's Mindy's and my vision as well is that why we're networking is there is such a huge harvest. We have got to work together and I just love to hear that. Yes. Yes. So, okay. I'm going to, I'm going to push you out a little bit further here, Jill. What we talked about, what you shared with us as far as leaders network and as far as the leaders like university or what you got, can you give us a little insight into that? Yeah, y'all can't see me right now, but I'm taking a big deep breath because this is um, this is the other big thing on my plate for this year. So the, the men's study, getting the men's leader guide, getting the website launched and, and out to the world. And then um, we are putting together an online leader training that will serve both women and men um, that will walk walk them through how to lead um, Forgiven and Set Free or Reclaiming Fatherhood. And um, again, I think that the training, you know, because of the, the source material that we're pulling from, I feel like once this online leader training is up and running, that regardless of the study that you use, there is going to be value in going through this training. We want it to be, um, you know, it's not, it's not going to just be, here's how to do forgiven and set free, or here's how to do reclaiming fatherhood. Um, it is going to have a lot of in-depth information about, you know, here's the research on men and abortion. There's not a lot of it, but here's what we've got. And here's what we know. And here's what's important for you to know as you're dealing with men. Um, so, and we'll have that same type of information, of course, for women. And you guys know this, there's way more information about women and abortion than there is about men. Um, but that being said, um, 
we are in the process of beginning um, script writing for filming for that. Um, we'll film different segments of it. Um, we've got that scheduled for this to be filming this summer, and then you have to do post-production, and then you have to load it all into a learning management system. So um, all of that to say, the plan, God willing, please, Lord Jesus, let this happen, um, is for that to launch the first of next year. Um, it, okay. takes, it takes quite a bit of um, time to put together something of that magnitude. So, so yeah, so online leader training, Coming soon yay, to a computer yay, yay. near you. Thank you for sharing that with us. Um, okay, so I want to just ask you um, one other question. I would like to know um, your opinion about what you believe new leaders or even seasoned leaders need to know or what, or actually, let me, let me back up. Let me ask that one more time. <laughs> What are the topics that new leaders or actually seasoned leaders are asking you or wanting to be trained most about? What are the things that, that you're hearing that, that we want to know? Does that make sense? It does. Um, two things um, come to mind right off the top of my head. Um, the first one is how do we deal with women who have just had an abortion? Because you guys know medication abortion is so prevalent now and um, women are coming seeking healing way, way sooner. You know, we are um, hearing from pregnancy centers that they are getting women who are two weeks out from- Which is kind of good it. in a way. It is, it is because the faster we can get her to the foot of the cross, the better. Um, the less chances for a second abortion. Got, yes, mm -hmm. please Lord. Um, but it's, it's also just, it's such a challenge, um, just in terms of the trauma is so, so fresh. And so, um, you know, we talk a lot about, um, looking at this through the lens of trauma informed care and being really aware of, um, you know, that this happened at her home. And so what used to be a sanctuary may no longer be seen as a sanctuary and how do we get her to a place of, of feeling safe again? Um, and I, I do believe that, that that only comes, you know, once we really know Christ. So that's one thing. And then, um, you know, the other big thing is how do we, how do we reach the men? How do we talk to the men? Um, and, you know, there, there have been really great men's Bible studies out there, um, you know, Karenet just has a bigger platform. And so I, we are, are, we are hoping, we are praying that this is the, the opportunity using the national platform that Karenet has to speak loudly about the fact that men suffer um, just as much as women do. It's just in a different way. Yeah. Thank you. I'm taking it a little bit different direction. Yes. Thank you. Very good answers. Um, those of us that have worked in post-abortion, abortion recovery, I'm trying to refine my um, terminology there. I know post-abortion is kind of passe now, but um, doing abortion recovery under pregnancy centers, since you're with CareNet and, of course, are working with pregnancy centers, um, I think some of us in the past have felt kind of like the stepchildren. Um, maybe that um, we're an afterthought, uh, maybe that we're not valued as really one of the um, 
a legitimate major part of the pregnancy center ministry. Um, any thoughts about that, how we can help give the vision to the pregnancy center, um, especially if the director's not involved in post-abortion, um, and how we can um, really feel a part of the pregnancy center work. Does that make sense? Are you hearing anything like that? I hear that a little. I don't hear that as as much. Um, I think the something that I hear more than that is that it's what I hear from a lot of leaders is it's hard to get people to come to the study. And so I think that that because it can be difficult to to get the word out, it's easy for pregnancy center leadership to put abortion recovery on the back burner for it to, to be um, less of a, less important. And the reality is statistics tell us that the women who are coming, you know, who are seeking abortions, you know, for about half of that population, this is the second or third abortion that she's had. So when I think about, you know, if you just think about the women walking into our pregnancy centers, every woman is being asked if she has an abortion in her past and if she is saying yes to that and being honest on her intake form, then we need to have um, we need to have that ability to connect her with abortion recovery. You know, if she's not in a current crisis, of course, once she's through her current crisis. Um, but but we need to that's wraparound care that pregnancy centers should be offering their clients, um, because, again, we know the statistics tell us that for at least half of the women we serve, she has an abortion in her past. Not only that, when you think about the women and the men who are called to volunteer in our pregnancy centers, many of us, I mean, this was my case, many of us come to the pregnancy center because we know that the Lord, because he's, he's redeemed us and we know what the hell looked like that we walked through in our own lives as a result of our abortion decision. We don't want that for someone else. So. That being said, you know, how many of our um, volunteers have this in their past and they need to be ministered to, um, you know, you can't, if you're broken, you're not going to be able to minister well to somebody else who's just as broken, if not more than you are. So I think it's, um, that's such a great question. Um, and I think it's, it's really understanding the numbers and you know, because this is the world I live in all the time, I, I just think that people know them. Like, how do you not know this? Um, but I think it is, um, like I said, it's, it's kind of a, that problem of, of getting the word out. So, so a, a lot of times recovery leaders feel like I, I'm not getting anybody from my classes. So do we just let this go? And whenever I get the opportunity to speak to a, like a new executive director, I had a call yesterday with a new executive director. And I said to her, I said, you need to understand that abortion recovery is the long game. You are playing the long game. And please do not expect people to be beating down your door to come to these classes right out of the gate, because you're going to have to educate your pastors. You're going to have to educate your staff. You're going to have to educate your volunteers on all of this. And then you are going to have to be faithful and say, we are going to be here and we're going to meet, you know, every week at this time. And we're just going to hold this space 
for these, these women and just be faithful and pray. Wow. Thank you, Jill. My goodness. We talked about so many things today. And, um, I just know that everybody's going to be excited to, um, take this information back with them. And I wrote down while we were talking a bunch of other things that I would love to talk to you about in the future. So (laughs) uh, I would love to come back. Good, good. And so we are concluding our time here. And for those of you who are listening, we will have Jill's information in the closing notes of this um, podcast. If you would like to contact Jill, you can do so at J-M-A-R-Q-U-I-S at care-net.org. That is care, C-A-R-E dash net.org. She is looking for an administrative assistant with technical skills. So please reach out to her if you have those and might be interested in that position. You may contact Mindy at Mindy at an even or Linda at abortion recovery network at gmail.com. Thank you for listening.